Blog Talk Radio. Okay, what happened to our music? <laughs> Hold on a second, let me see if I can find it. But welcome to the True Life Fridays radio program, everybody. We have a ton of things to get to today, but I don't want to skip our music, so let's get going. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision, but I want you to think about dominate and we're going to have a guest on in later on in the hour uh my good friend chris arts will come and share his thoughts about the michael brown 
Ferguson situation, which happened practically in my backyard. There's a pro-life aspect I don't think has been discussed well in this. Uh, And I hope that we are going to get to tease that out a little bit. So, Thomas, welcome welcome to the show with me, my co-host. Absolutely, lutely, tootly. How are you, Lucretia? Well, would you like to start us off in a little bit of prayer? Because I think after we get running, we're going to need it. Right. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly for your strength and your mercy, Lord God, as we are going to dive into an explosive, explosive, explosive topic among our other normally explosive topics. I pray for strength for Letitia and myself and for our guests and for anyone else who might call in, that they may understand the gravity of what we're saying and what we're speaking about. Lord, we say we love you and we bless you and we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So just a few minutes ago, we had uh, St. Louis or Ferguson Police Department or St. Louis County. I am not sure which one is actually heading this up. They say both, and they're not the same. But uh, one or the other gave a second press conference for today talking about the Michael Brown, and we will bring everybody up to speed as far as what do we know in just a few minutes. But I wanted to play uh, part of this press release. Ferguson Police Chief Tom Jackson speaking to reporters. Thank you for coming out here. We wanted to do this on this environment so that we could hear each other and so that we could get whatever information we have left out. So I I gave you a lot of information this morning, wanted to give you a chance to let you go over it, and then uh, we've had some questions that have been coming in to to our Twitter and so forth, so uh, we're going to address some of those. There's a question about uh, the timing of the release of the tape. So we've had this tape for a while, and, uh, you know, we had to diligently review the information that was in the tape, determine if there was any other reason to keep it, uh, anybody else would be charged in the crime, and uh, we had determined that that was not going to be the case. We got a lot of uh, freedom of information requests for this tape, um, and uh, at some point it was, it was just determined that we had to release it. We, we didn't have good cause, absent any other reason to, to not re- release it under FOI, so, uh, and decided at the same time, um, it wouldn't be prudent to release that information, which you know could be uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, we needed to uh, release that at the same time uh, we would release the uh, the name of the uh, officer who was involved in the shooting, um, so that would so that we could just keep uh, keep open and give you all the information that we have. We've pretty much given you every every bit of information that we have now. I don't think there's anything else. That that, uh, that we have to give out. 
Regarding the uh, second suspect who was in the store in the tape, uh, Dorian Johnson, we determined that he did not commit a crime and was not complicit in the crime. And clarifying uh, one of the other questions that came quite a bit was on uh, the role of two officers. Some, some were thinking it was the same officer who handled the robbery as, the, as was involved in the shooting. That is not the case. Uh, there were two separate officers. This, uh, this robbery does not relate to the con initial contact between the officer and, uh, um, and Michael Brown. Um, have, having said that, I'll, I'll take a few questions. Have we haven't heard any information yet, Chief, that would justify the use of deadly force, particularly outside of the car. Okay, uh, I understand that, and these are questions that, that have to go to the, uh, the investigation, and I don't think anything from the investigation is going to be released until it's complete. Chief, is it true do we know that when a weapon is discharged, when a weapon is discharged, is there... The officer who fires the deadly shots with the officer, whether he knew that Mr. Brown was involved in this incident, whether he knew that Mr. Brown was involved I can only go up to a certain point, and then it's, uh, then it's unreleased information in the investigation, and that certain point is the initial contact between the officer and... Uh, and Mr. Brown was not related to the robbery. Chief, when, when weapons Chris? discharged, is there paperwork that has to be filed out as a matter of protocol describing the conditions under which a weapon is discharged? There, well, there's a there's a use of force report that we have, um, but the uh, the whole all the reports that are going to be written on this are going to be written by the St. Louis County Police Department. But that they have total control of the investigation. Report that was made, I imagine, after the shooting. Yes. You not, I don't have it in my possession. Everything belongs to the county. Yes, ma'am. How do you respond to people who say this is not Michael Brown on these surveillance? I just think take a look at it. Um, just take a look at the tape. Chief Jackson. Chief Jackson. Chief Jackson. And the socks were different compared to the pictures of the body. Okay. And if it's under investigation, why not? All I did, what I did was, uh, was release the videotape to you because I had to. Uh, I've been sitting on it, um, but I, too many people put in FOI requests for that thing, and I had to release Why that tape to you. Why did it have to be today? Why did it have to be today, Chief Jackson? I understand that, but uh, consider that if I just released that tape and didn't release the officer's name, there would be similar questions. I'm going to read you a statement here. Michael Brown's family is beyond outraged at the devious way the police chief has chosen to disseminate piecemeal information in a manner intended to assassinate the character of their son. What's your response to that? Uh, my response to that is, uh, first, my heart goes out to the family. Uh, I can't imagine what they're going through. Um, we have given you everything that we have now and everything that we can give you. So that's from... From our police department, we have you have all, everything we've got. There's nothing else that I can give you. Chief Jackson, the timing of the release of this video. No, I had a, I had a meeting scheduled with the family yesterday morning. Um, representatives from the family came. Uh, the family did not. They hadn't had a chance to uh, completely consult with their attorney. And one more Chief, point, Chief Jackson, it seems like you're only answering questions that demean the character of Mike Brown. When we ask you guys questions about the way you handle this case, why you releasing information, you say it's under investigation. You just put more citizens in trouble by releasing that video that now they have to be protected because their store and their business has been placed in media. And you, you say you're concerned about our safety, but it seems Absolutely. like you're only concerned about your officer's safety. I'm absolutely concerned about the safety of my community. Did you find Did evidence you on the body? Can you more about the officer? Can you say whether he worked uh, in another police department in this area before he came to you? Yes, yes. He was a police officer for six years. Two of those years were with uh, Jennings. 
and four years with with us. I, I can't go into the the security of the officer. Injuries, Chief. Did you iron? Stop. Yes. Can you Chief. talk about his injuries? You mentioned the facial injuries. Yeah. So the officer involved in the shooting was he aware of the robbery call? I don't know. I, I don't know what it, what came out in his interview. I know his initial contact was not related to the robbery. It was related to Black and Road. You're telling us that you're, just, you're telling us that when the officer stopped Michael Brown for the first time, he was not aware that Brown was a suspect in a robbery. No, he was just he was just coming off of a a sick case, which is why the ambulance was there so quickly. So why did he stop? But yes. Okay. You're saying, what are you saying, Chief? What, did, he, did he know that he was a suspect in a case, or did he not know? No, he didn't. He, did he, was, he was so had nothing to do with the stop. So he had nothing to do with the stop. So at this point, why did he stop Michael Brown? Because they were walking down the middle of the street blocking traffic. That, that was find, it. Did you find evidence of the stolen merchandise on the body? Yes. Why did you put more citizens in harm's way? Why yeah. did that Are there any other new questions? I was asked that. Um, I'm going to consult with my uh, city attorney before we do that, make sure that that's all part of FOI. I, I don't know. That's, I just got that question. Um, they're doing a good job. They've, been, they've actually been here with us since the very beginning of this thing. And uh, I have every confidence in them. The St. Louis County Police Department is still here, too. Tom McConnell last night said it was a denigration to your, to your uh, officers, the decision by the governor to bring in the state highway patrol. Do you, believe, do you agree with Bob McCall? That's, uh, that's political, and I'm not going to get involved in that. What I will say is I, I, I know the officer in charge. I've known him for years, and uh, I have every confidence in him. Now that the state police has taken over and there was no tear gas, are you excited about that? 28. Thank you, Chief. Can you just go into more detail about the swelling? There's some reports that his eye may have been shown yeah, well, the side of his face was swollen. No, this is this is this has already been released by the county police department. All I, what I'll, what I tell you about uh, the incident, the shooting, is what's been released by the St. Louis County Police Department. So everything I say to you, I can't say anything other than that. Describe this officer to us a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about him. What kind of details did he work? Uh, how, how would you describe his demeanor? Did you ever have any issues with him? Is it related to racial profiling? Any discrimination action? No, we had, we, he had no complaints. He was, uh, was, he, he was a gentle, officer? quiet man. He was a distinguished officer. Yes. Chief, I just talked all over you then. We have a tendency to do that. To you. Yes, we do. I'm sorry. Could you describe him as, as best you know? As you... He, he, was a, he was a gentleman, he's a quiet officer, um, and uh, he, he, was, he, was, he is, he has been an excellent officer for the police department. How, how has he been affected by this? It's, it's devastating, absolutely devastating. He, he never intended for any of this to happen. And you see, if, 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 if the, 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 the officer, if he did not kill, if, if the murderer, the murder and the robbery did not come together, why did the video come out and the robbery, it was not related together? Be, because the press asked for it. Let's clarify, Chief, please. Earlier in the day, Pardon me? Accommodation for extraordinary service in the line of duty in February. I don't remember, but I'll find out for you. One more question. Clarify, Chief. Earlier on the day, you said that you weren't responding because of the description of a 
can't hear you. Try it again. Uh, <laughs> Earlier in the day, you said the officer was responding because the description of a robbery suspect had gone out, and that description matched Michael Brown. Now you're saying he only stopped Michael Brown because he was blocking traffic. No, no, no. I, I don't think I said he went there because of robbery call. He, he was in the area. Uh, following the robbery because he was on a sick case. If the robbery had nothing to do with the stop, then why would you release the video of the robbery? What's, what's the explanation for the timing of Because you asked for it. You asked for it. I held it for as long as I could. But she, she yes. But there's, there's no connection between that video and the stop. We, we, Captain Johnson and I just spoke about our communication breakdown, and, and uh, we, I, I talked to uh, Chief Belmer about this. Um, we talked to the command post up there, but I did not personally call him. I should have done that. Do I, I'm still in the county being in charge mode. Okay. Thank, thank you very much. All right. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for muddying the waters so much more than it's already been muddied already. Um, so, Thomas, you had wanted to, to say something about what happened in the middle of this press conference. Uh, what's on your mind? It sounded to mm-hmm. me at the beginning of the press conference sounded like he alluded to the fact that maybe the St. Louis County um, Darren Wilson responded to the store robbery and that the other Darren Wilson Ferguson responded and stopped them and didn't know that there had been a robbery. Because you remember at the beginning when he said, when they asked him the question and he said that there were two different officers that responded. I don't remember that. Can you refresh my memory on exactly that? Because as far as I I thought that the... uh, the Darren Wilson that was not involved in this was an officer in the St. Louis City Police Department. Yeah. Not he, the county. No, no, no. He's he's St. Louis County. Okay. Not St. Hmm, Louis interesting. City. Interesting. Yeah. It's yep. entirely he's, possible. At this point, what this is what all this boils down to, and this is my host analysis that you're going to get from this. The mud, the waters are indeed very, very muddy on this. Everything that we thought was speculated turned out to be something completely different, and that goes for everyone. It goes for exactly. myself, it goes for the reporters, it goes for the news media, it goes for the police department, it goes for the entire community and the city of Flor- uh, Ferguson and all those foreign protesters. And yes, I will call them foreign because they are foreign to here. Uh, have have got it completely wrong. (laughs) Um, And everybody's telling a slightly different story. And there's only, I mean, just we can go in through the details, line by line, minute by minute. But here's here's what I hear people now saying, is that, well, okay, he... Michael Brown was involved in a robbery. He was the he was the person doing the robbing, but that means that doesn't mean he deserves to be shot dead in the street. Um, nobody's saying that. Anyone who says that 
or accuses another person of saying that is spinning yet another reprehensible narrative, as reprehensible as the narrative that says that a young black man killed in the street in the city of, let's just say St. Louis, was killed because he was a black man being shot by a white officer. Listen right. That's a narrative that has been spinning from the beginning that has absolutely no positive proof in its favor. But let's go back to the beginning from what we know. The store clerk of the convenience store didn't deserve to be robbed and shoved and intimidated either by Mike Brown. Okay, now we're talking about what Mike Brown deserved. The store clerk didn't deserve that. He didn't get deserve to be stolen from. The businesses, like the QT, didn't deserve to be looted and burned to the ground. The police didn't deserve to have Molotov cocktails thrown at them. The townspeople of Ferguson didn't deserve hackers, Black Panthers, or other race-baiting agitators come in from outside of St. Louis and make things worse. Right. Racism. 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 That's right. Racism. That's right. (laughs) Al Sharpton. We did not deserve to have him inflict his presence on our city this week. But it happened. And all of this is a tragic series of events, which watching it unfold is like a mistake in the making, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Everybody believes with full uh, conviction that they're doing the right thing at the moment that they're doing it. And it takes hindsight to realize that, hey, that, that shouldn't have been what it is. So everybody is angry at somebody. But does anybody have the right motives for that anger? I'm not sure at this point. I'm not sure at all. And um, so what do you think, Thomas, after hearing everything? Now, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty a little bit, but uh, what's your overall assessment? I think you can just throw out the playbook because uh, it's like those of us who was clamoring for everyone to wait until all the information came out. Nobody waited. And now you have people with egg on their face. Even the fact that even the fact that because there was two Darren Wilsons, one black, one white, and just because we got the wrong one. But you know, we still don't have egg on our face because we were calling for people to wait for the information to come out, but nobody wanted to do that. And now it's coming to light just, I I know why he released it, because he was sick and tired of the cop being eviscerated. He had no, he had no history of, Actions like that before, if he did, there would be a pattern in his work, his record disciplinary, um, you know, reports. But he never had any write-ups. 
So people going on about how he ex, how Michael Brown was executed um, in the streets. So question: Was he found dead in the street? I ain't even heard that. Do you know, Letitia? Well, um, I, I did, uh, there are news reports that said that by the time the ambulance arrived and paramedics had attended to him, uh, which I don't think was hours later afterward, um, it was quite soon, they had determined he already died from his injuries. And then I think that's how, I don't, I'm not sure, they didn't take him away right away. There's just a lot of things that has happened that don't make sense. And what I did not want anyone to do, but naturally people do, is jump to all kinds of conclusions. And suddenly the, you know, the race issue can't help but come up. On the phone with me, I have Chris Arp, who I uh, wanted to ask for his opinion on this, uh, as if he hasn't talked about it enough, but he's going to talk about it with us. Um, and in light of the developments that have happened today, uh, Chris, welcome to the program. What is your take on things? Dwayne, Letitia, how are you today? How are you? Good. Okay. Hey, I, I, thought I, heard, I thought I heard Dwayne on there. I'm doing good. You know, I'm just, uh, we had a lot of bombshells this morning, a lot of new information uh, come out. Um, stories have changed on a lot of this situation. Um, oh, I'm just yeah. calling for calm and quiet uh, for this weekend and for tonight. You know, the community is very angry. Um, they have their take on the developments of today that are kind of different from what the police uh, feel that happened. And, you know, I, we're, we're, we're bracing for a very tense situation. Are you, how certain are you this is going to be turned into a narrative for political purposes? And now, you know, I, I'm asking you because I know you know the answer. Political purposes in what, in what sense? Uh, well, the whole time. The media has tried to spin this incident as a as a racial incident. It's an example of racial profiling gone horribly wrong, horribly deadly. And it's just another way, another example of of the black community being oppressed by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're always going to have the Al Sharptons and the, and the slick lawyers are always going to have that narrative because that's what that's what keeps them in business. You know, they always glum on to situations like this because it it proves the narrative that they always try to advance that America is a, is a racist country and you know and black people are about uh, 20 minutes from being put back in chains. But you know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it. You know, the story is falling apart um, about what happened about Mr. Brown was, you know, was a gentle giant and was, a, you know, was headed for college. You know, the video the tape that was released today showing him intimidating a, a man half his size and half his weight for a, a box of cigars really, uh, really changes that narrative. You know, mm-hmm. a, lot of people are, a lot of people are saying that because the cop that stopped uh, Michael Brown originally didn't know about the, the robbery, that that somehow makes it unrelated to this case. But one aspect that people aren't looking at is if the officer didn't know that he was a suspect or knew about the prior robbery, maybe Michael Brown knew that, you know, he knows the crime that he committed an hour or two mm-hmm. before, and he mm-hmm. didn't know, maybe he thought he was being pulled over because of that. 
you know, and maybe that made right. him agitated and, and, and started this whole altercation. Right, that certainly is within uh, the high realm of possibility. Uh, I just think, I mean, there there's been so many twists and turns in this case that it doesn't seem quite fair to uh, accuse people because it has turned out differently than, than people expected. Yeah. You know, I learned I, I learned my lesson during the uh, during the whole Trayvon uh, Martin case when that first uh, happened. You know, I wasn't all very vocal or public about it, but uh, you know, when the initial facts of the case came out, I thought it did look like Zimmerman had had, had shot this young man for no cause and was racial mm-hmm. profiling. But you know, as soon as more evidence and facts started coming out, the the, the narrative ob- obviously changed. So when this same situation came out, you know, I called on my Facebook page for everyone to stay calm and just let the investigation play itself out. You know, the incident just happened. We didn't have all the facts that we shouldn't jump to conclusions. And, you know, a lot of people did that. And, you know, a lot of people today have kind of egg on their faces jumping on the bandwagon of uh, for this. And cases, the facts are proven that it's not what we originally thought. Right. Yep. Uh, what about this idea that uh, no matter what happens, the police department is always to blame for something? I'm not saying that they didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying that in every instance this far, the police department has been has been maligned. They can't do anything right. Yeah, and I think you're always going to especially have that when you've got a situation dealing with race, um, black and white. You know, as we all know, there is a distrust within the African-American community um, of the police, not just a lower economic status African-American. You know, I don't play the race card. Um, I try not to get in trouble. But, you know, I am suspicious of the police. I've had, you know, DWB experiences driving while while black. You know, that doesn't taint my whole uh, perception of the police. I know just like any large organization, you're always going to have one or two bad apples that unfortunately, you know, are going to taint the whole organization. But, you know, as a whole, I think the policemen have a tough job. I think they try to do their best. But in certain situations, as I said, you have cops that uh, wake up on the wrong side of the bed, already have kind of an attitude, and sometimes that's a volatile mix of uh, circumstances. So what does... What do the people, the townspeople in Ferguson need right now? I mean, you and I are both close enough to the situation to say, yeah, we live in the city. Um, In spite of all the people that come from outside trying to make something out of this, uh, what would you think is the way out of the situation? In spite of, you know, despite what has happened so far, how do people put this behind them? I think the main thing, and I do applaud the family for doing this, but there just needs to be a call for calm. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with being angry if you perceive the facts of this case in a certain way. You know, we should all just wait for the investigation to play out. But what we need is our true leaders well, within the African-American community, within Ferguson, you know, to call for calm. You know, the president made a statement uh, yesterday or the other day about this situation. Um, I think with these new revelations coming to light, the president needs to make a stronger statement calling for calm. Um, the attorneys representing the family need to call, need to uh, have calm. The governor needs to have calm. 
you know, I think that uh, they also need to discourage outsiders from coming in and agitating. You know, there are reports that the the, you know, the Black Panthers are trying to uh, right. mobilize people from around the country to come into St. Louis. We don't need that at this time. It's already a volatile situation, and we just need people to call for calm. Yes. All right. Hey, Chris, if you have time, Wayne, how are you? Um, a minute. Um, we have a caller from Harrison, Pennsylvania, that either has a question or comment. And sure. Let's see. John, are you on the line there? Yes. Uh, how's everybody doing? Hey, John. We're doing good. How are you? Welcome to Welcome good. to True Life Fridays Radio. Well, What's your I, I did hear one. Well, uh, more of a comment than question. I did hear one okay. thing I wanted to clarify. Um, I guess within the last 15 minutes, they are saying the police officer realized who Michael Brown was once he was pulled up. Did we lose him? Uh, did I, we lose our uh, caller? Are, are you that, there, John? Well, I'll tell you what, that's a new revelation. I didn't hear, I have not heard that yet. Right. John? Is that, did you oh. hear that from a a, a press release, a, another press release? His call is still open, but he's, I think we, we his call. Think, all right. We, uh, we apparently lost our caller. Uh, but this is news. This is news to us. Uh, if if the officer in question did know that it does, it does go to probable cause, it may be a reason why there was an escalation of violence. But I think Chris, you made you made a good point earlier that uh, regardless of whether the officer knew, uh, Michael Brown knew. Exactly. And exactly. having been pulled over or being approached by police so soon after stealing stuff from a convenience store would probably put a, a normal person on edge. I would say that would be a likely scenario. Um, yeah. And, you know, and that could have startled the police officer. He could have been like, hey, I'm just telling you to get out of the middle of the street. You know, why are you so agitated? Why are you, you know, wanting to fight me? But, you know, we don't know, of course, we wasn't there because, you know, we're just speculating, but, Right. You know, that that could have been a contributing factor. Right, right. Um, so I think there's a lot. I, I think what has happened in the last 24 hours has actually made more questions than answered uh, yeah. them. And I think more information still needs to be seen. And I, I don't think my overall assessment is this. Um. Everybody who's come in from out of town needs to go back to where they came from. <laughs> That's Agreed. just what I think. Agreed. Um, we've got, we have those Black Panther agitators. We do have those anonymous hackers trying to leak information and leak inf- wrong information, by the way. Right, right. And we have everybody trying to dip their cookie in this glass of milk and really just ruining a situation. They're making things a whole lot worse. So everybody just needs to step back and stop trying to make this situation into something that it's not. I agree. Right. I think what we're going to see next, uh, you guys, the next shoe to drop, um, because the narrative is is going against uh, the Michael Brown narrative, I think the next thing that we're going to see drop is we're going to see photos of the police officer's injuries. 
to mm. bolster the case that that uh, that Michael Brown assaulted this police officer, because that narrative is still out there that uh, right. Michael Brown was on his knees with his hands up, surrendering, and the cop emptied uh, emptied his chamber into him. I think they're going to try to dispel that by showing, you know, as I said, injuries uh, on the cop. I think that's the next piece of evidence that's going to be released. I think you're right. Well, thank you, Chris, for spending a few minutes with us and I appreciate sharing you your perspective. Me. Yeah. Um, thank you. We'll have you on again. We, we, yeah, we've been trying to do this for a while, and I'm glad we finally could uh, connect it. Let's do it. Wayne, take it easy. <laughs> All right. All right. You too, Chris. You have okay, a good one. Yeah, great evening. Bye. All right. And so let's go through this line by line. Um, just the main themes. The first first thing that came out is you and I had speculated, and you and we were not the only people. Even the esteemed Kevin Jackson is like this narrative is running so strange. Why will if right. if everybody's talking about um, this being a a white officer, a white police officer against a black man thing and bringing out the racial animus, uh, how come nobody actually said that the officer was a white officer from the very beginning? Right. And that led you and many people to speculate, oh, maybe the officer isn't really white. Well, it turns out, you know, after all this information, uh, they could have just said... The, the police department could have just said who, not who the officer was, but for some reason people didn't want to say. It was just liberal reporting has its way of making you assume something even before the facts come in. Uh, and I think that in this situation, the media did people a very grave disservice by spinning this narrative that this was racially anim- uh, motivated before any of the facts came in. And, you know, I don't care whether the officer was, you know, purple. He, the fact that they made, a, made the narrative all about uh, white police officers and the white police department and racial division and St. Louis and trying to tie all those things together really was very insulting to say that in the last hundred years St. Louis is still the same city it was a hundred years ago I find that very insulting Um, and for them to run with that for so long is shameful when there was no proof of that right I think they they were engaged in a form of media witch hunting they were looking for the racism. They were looking. I mean, Al Sharpton flew into town, and any, if anything, if Al Sharpton opens his mouth, what racism. does he say? Racism, racism, racism. That's right, racism. That's right. why he came to St. Louis. Because they wanted to pound the racial aspect of this case. I think St. Louis has been manhandled. Our reputation has been stained because of the media and Al Sharpton. And it doesn't help when Black Panther people, Black Panthers come into town. There was all kinds of rumors. I even heard somebody said the KKK went out in St. Charles and did the demonstration and the police protected them and yada, yada, yada. You know, that didn't happen. 
But that just goes to show how people have flown off the handle completely. Right. And St. Louis ought to be ashamed for letting it happen. The people of Ferguson should have collectively... They were not the ones throwing Molotov cocktails and burning down quick trips. Did you... I I have a cut. Uh, Let me... I'm going to play this. I was thinking we were going to run out of time, but I'm going to play this because I know what I'm talking about. This is happening. Um... I don't know if I loaded that up. I might have. Not, I might not have loaded that up. That audio. How long is the clip? It's about two minutes. It's about two minutes. Um, it's a clip of that that got a lot of play um, on on the channel four news here. It was a videotape of right after the quick trip had been burned. It was the day after that. And a young man decided to make comments on his phone camera, on his friend's phone camera, and they loaded it up. It got onto the news. And if I don't find it, um, that's okay. I'll talk about, I'll talk about it. Um, he had just said that, oh, this is, is going to be what happens if you have, if you have racism. This is going to be what happens if you have uh, people try, trying to get justice. And maybe I'll play this if it plays over the microphone. You'll get to hear exactly what he says. Uh, but this came out right away. And then we also had Shepard Smith from Fox News talking about how much racism this has uh, been demonstrating. You there still? Well, it looks like we lost Letitia, and she will she will uh, be right back. She's trying to upload a clip, but it just seems that the whole narrative that happened with with this is kind of just like with uh, Trayvon Martin. Everybody will jump into conclusions, and there we have Letitia back. Letitia? Well, she, her Skype must be messing up. She'll probably have to call in from a regular line. But um, it's crazy because those of us who, who were appealing for a call of calm we were being told all blah, blah, blah. Yep. Now let's see if we've got Letitia. Okay, there you are. Right. Off. If BTR stops cutting off my mic, that would be great. But here we go. <laughs> um, anyway, we had, we had people bringing up the racial issue right from the beginning, and it did not do yep. anybody any service. What, how does that help Michael Brown's case? He was, I mean, it doesn't help. And it didn't help the family that somebody took all this attention. Like I had said uh, last week when we talked about this, or earlier on the week, what happened with the riots and the com- repeated violence is that it escalated the situation away, away from the actual uh, shooting and the death. And what did it do? 
the day after that, the day after the quick trip was looted and burned, the police decided not to release the name of the officer who did the shooting. When right. normally, normally it is it is policy for that information to be released to the public. Right. So, so here we have the family waiting for this information, and then the next day, the Ferguson Police Department says we can't release that information because the, the of the violence and the fact that the officer will be receiving death threats or already has received death threats. Right. Why? It wasn't the family that was making death threats. It was all these other people from outside of Ferguson agitating, making threats, causing a situation, and they were the ones standing in between the family and the information that they normally would have had if people had butted out. They caused the family more suffering because right. somebody decided to torch some businesses and loot and call for a day of rage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. We have these opportunists that will exploit the black community and the tragedies that happen, not for the good of the family. I don't, you know, ask Ask any of the family members if anything of this was done for their benefit. I would probably say they would. Nobody consulted us. No, this thing took a life on its own. It was by these vultures and sharks that we got all this stuff. They didn't ask all sharks to come into town. <laughs> right. And, it and that's so... why. Go ahead. I said it's, it's so sad that we didn't take, pick all these guys up on their keisters and just throw them out of St. Louis, just kick them all out. Right. But what are they afraid of? What's who afraid of? What are, what are they, why are they afraid to kick them out? Ferguson maybe predominantly black, about 67%, many of them are senior citizens. There's a good population of Ferguson that are older folks. They just, Ferguson was a peaceful and quiet town. It is considered one of the, one of the more quiet places outside of St. Louis City that is, it, it hugs North St. Louis, where um, a lot of a, a lot of people, um, a lot of the criminal element lives. But this right. this area of town is not known for high high crime. It isn't. Most of the people want to live there in peace. So we have here a swarm of outsiders coming in to agitate and to throw bottles and throw rocks and throw throw stuff at police who by the way you know and people were complaining that they were they were uh, armed and they were pointing guns at people and they arrested uh they arrested reporters yeah that all did happen but yeah you know what those guns had in them rubber bullets rubber bullets 
That's right. Yeah. And yep. why were they out there throwing cans of tear gas at nighttime? Because all those old people can't go to sleep at night and had to come out and make a riot? <laughs> people were, the, the rioters came out to make a scene. And how did they expect the police to respond? You made it personal for them. They're going to take it personally. Exactly. Oh, you can't respond with you can't respond with a lot of um, military stuff. Well, you can thank our federal government for that. Who, by the way, is trying to insert itself into a local issue. Like I said, again, y'all need to go. Go. This is not a national issue. This is not a federal issue. This is not something you can transport people from Chicago in to meddle with. This is an issue between the family of the killed and the police. And but, But because of everyone else, Nobody was able to do their jobs, and the family had to suffer more. Right. I mean, I was half expecting our president to make a, if I had a son speech about Michael Brown, and I was half getting ready to be embarrassed for him. But luckily he didn't. He all, but he didn't call for the end of protesters. He didn't say everybody needs to go home and let the family deal with this. Instead, he had an, he almost had another the police were acting stupidly moment. He came that close. And meanwhile, he's, his aide is tweeting pictures of him dancing at Martha's Vineyard. Right. And with the hashtag, had, with the hashtag, a good time was had by all. I don't know who all is, but I'm sure we nobody has been having a good time in St. Louis for a week or more. Exactly. Anyway, um, we haven't talked about this issue so much on on True Life Fridays, but here's here's the final pro life aspect of it. I would not call what happened to Mike Brown murder. Because it bears all the markings of a horrible accident. And we do not know what took place exactly between the officer and Mike Brown to the fullest extent. It's hard to know what will happen until the officer gives his story. We have witnesses, but now we know that one of the witnesses was his friend that was with him when he robbed the convenience store. How much credibility does he have? Not that much. Right. And all the other witnesses that have come forward and talked to the news media did not see what had happened prior to the shooting or what led up to the shooting. They saw the shooting, and that was it. They saw the altercation. That was it. They did not see everything. And that that much is clear. They did not see everything. 
Right. Um, so I'm fairly exhausted by this issue. And I know that um, we're just talking about it for the first time on True Life Fridays. Um, and so I want to leave this story just with this, um, this aspect. Don't ask for people to get what they deserve here. I think that would hurt a lot more than what's already taken place. Right. I think, I think what we all deserve from a Christian perspective is eternity separated from God. That's what we all deserve. Right. But for this situation here, it's not, like I said, it's not fair to malign the police officers and the police department and invoke racism when it's not justified. Right. And it's not fair to call someone a murderer before he's been convicted or charged with any kind of murder. And it's not clear that murder took place. And it's also not fair for the family and for the, the people trying to defend Mike Brown to make him out to be a much better character than he was. Everybody has faults. Police departments are run by human beings who make mistakes. Whether a mistake happened here or not, we're uh, we're still trying to find that out. But did Mike, Michael Brown have character flaws of his own? Apparently so. And did that play into right. what happened to him? Apparently so. Right. So there's nothing remarkable about what happened that that should spark a nationwide protest? I even heard they shut down Times Square in New York City because of what happened. That means so many people had so much to say. It had nothing to do with St. Louis. They shut down Times Square in New York City. The guy that I was talking about, Yakina's mouth, out in front of the burned-out QT, wasn't even from St. Louis. He was from New York City. Right. Um, or I don't know about New York City. It was from New York. Lots of people just talking who have, have absolutely no connection to St. Louis, no connection to the neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, I, I would echo everybody at this point in time, since we have so little information, we don't know what we know. We don't know. So let's, let, exactly. let's leave people alone and let things happen the way they ought to. And for goodness right. sake, Let's stop the race baiting. Stop. Just stop the race baiting. No one's buying it anymore. No one's buying this anymore. Um, so let's, um, let's move on to some things. I, ha- I do have a stupidest thing ever today. But I wanted to show with you, share with you something that also took place that got eclipsed by the Michael Brown story. And that is our good old Planned Parenthood has been caught in a four-part series. You know, they're all about women's health, so they say. And they say how much uh, they care about women. But what they were caught on tape advising to teenagers 
should change your mind about how much they really care about health and how much they really care about uh, the behavior of teenagers and how, how well they're being treated. Here is the part four of the interview, uh, the interview, um, the, the tape. And I want you to listen to something very carefully. This is a conversation between a very young girl and the Planned Parenthood advisor. This is what she and this is what the advisor or the counselor tells her. Things that happen in Fifty Shades of Grey often are around pain and your response to pain, and like whips and nipple clamps. You can get a horse whip. Oh wow! Like welts across the back. I wouldn't say abuse because it's consensual. If he wants to try something that's physical that is going to cause you harm or pain, and you're okay with that. That's a completely different thing than he wants to try something to do that you're not okay with. Patients will sometimes come in with rope burns or um, markings on their breasts from like clamps. Okay, I guess it's consensual. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay. If you're both consenting to it, it's something that's happening behind closed doors, it's okay. Anything within the sexual world is normal as long as it's consensual. Can I just ask you something? How old you are? I'm 15. So. This is Planned Parenthood telling a 15-year-old girl, and now that you you know, for, you know, when we talked about this, they have they endorse these videos that they create, telling young women and teenagers that it is okay to engage in sexual activity that could be potentially physically harmful to them, and as long as that teenager says. Oh, yeah, I wanted to do that. It's all right. Here we have a video of this Planned, Parent, Planned Parenthood counselor telling a 15-year-old girl that um, her boyfriend, she claims, wants to try new things that he learned about in the book Fifty Shades of Grey. Now that took the counselor by surprise because that count, she had said elsewhere on the tape that she did not realize teenagers were reading this book. I would say that is a very naive counselor <laughs> because if it's out there in print, kids can read it. You know, at least some kids in America can still read. Right. And they'll pick up this book. And it is not a book about, um, it is a book that contains a lot of sexually explicit material that is related to bondage, you know, the things that they call BDSM, bondage, um, sadomasochism, and, um, yeah, I think that's what it is, bondage and sadomasochism. Um is that the type of healthy sexual expression anybody wants a teenager to engage in? Absolutely not. But here we have a Planned Parenthood uh, uh, counselor telling a teenager, a, making a value statement. It's important for people to understand that. They're not saying, oh, um, 
make sure you use a condom and uh, don't worry, we won't tell your parents and things that we expect them to cover up, you know, sexual activity that parents really ought to know. They are actively endorsing and saying that it is okay and it's normal and it's perfectly fine for people to engage in sexual activity that is potentially physically harmful. But so long as two people agree to it, harm is okay. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, especially especially when you put that in light of what's happening in California. California, the state of California, as crazy as it is, is getting even crazier by toying with the idea of legislation that basically requires young people to make sex contracts with each other before engaging in any sexual sexual activity. What's a sex contract? It is a written agreement which women, it's targeted for women especially, women must sign saying they consent to sexual activity. Why? Because feminists are dead serious when they say, uh, you know, woman who agrees to have sex can change her mind in the middle and if she does that act of sex becomes a sex, an act of rape and they're insisting that men can be prosecuted for that oh so when a yes becomes a no right in the middle it's 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 uh something that's a that becomes rape i think most People would think that's ridiculous, but hey, it's coming from California. Well, that runs completely afoul to what this Planned Parenthood counselor has just said. Oh, yeah. How do you refuse something in the middle and and call it normal when you have consent? When um, at any point in that consent, it can can totally reverse on itself. Why should anybody try anything? If this mentality that in the middle of whatever is going on, a woman can say, I changed my mind, and it becomes rape from that point on. I'm sorry. I I don't know that uh, a lot of sexual experiences have stopped. Usually people just right. keep going. <laughs> right. And so here here we have two different ideas that are going to run run con- in conflict with each other. I don't know how these liberals can stand to to listen to their own thoughts said aloud to them, read aloud or put it on paper. They are so contradictory. They say, try this, try that, do this, do that. Everything's normal, everything's okay, as long as it's consensual. They don't put a time limit on consensual. They want to say it is whatever the, and make it directed by the woman, but then they're, tell, they're sending this mixed message to men saying, go for it, everything's fine. If you can convince a woman to say yes, you've got it made. It's all legal. Um, pretty soon, I think people are going to understand that Planned Parenthood, uh, for what it really is, it's not about women's health. It's 
a it's a sex pushing organization. It's an abortion organization. It makes its money selling abortions. How do you how do you get an abortion? You can't you don't have women having abortions unless they're first pregnant and how do you get them pregnant? By telling them free sexual activity is not only their right, it's also healthy and encouraged and it's normal and and uh go ahead read 50 shades of gray and give some ideas. We are not the least bit surprised that a an organization, a business that sells a product will do everything in its power to make sure they have a steady supply of buyers for that product. Right. We see it very clearly. If if Planned Parenthood happened to be named Philip Morris and Philip Morris was going into public schools talking about the dangers and how to how to have healthy smoking habits, we would immediately say, Oh wait a minute, you sell cigarettes, you sell tobacco. Don't you have an interest in this? Well duh. Right. Why don't we look at Planned Parenthood the same way? That's a good point. It's a very good point. All right. Well, we're pushing our time here. I wanted to get to um, our stupidest thing ever. And you're going to love this. It's, it's actually our stupidest thing ever can be anything that we find on the Internet uh, that is an example of someone acting in the most stupidest way or um, espousing an idea. Now, we don't, don't necessarily state that the people in the, that is the subject of our stupidest thing ever are stupid people themselves. That would be insulting, but I'll let people draw their own conclusions. But we say what has happened or what they're referring to is the stupidest thing ever. So... Hey, this is not first class. All right, you remember the Murrell Miller Young, the professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara, who got into an altercation with a 16-year-old pro-lifer and she ripped down one of her posters and ran away with it? Yep. Yes, well, she had been taken to court, and they filed charges against her for harassment and for um, for assault. And she first pleaded not guilty. Then she pleaded no contest to misdemeanors, counts of theft, vandalism, and battery. And she says she's sorry for some of her actions and hopes to make amends through community service. Um, well, the article that I pulled up about what she's doing now, well, you're just going to have to read it. Um, she, she's an associate professor whose coursework includes pornography and sex work. And she has gained the nickname the Porn Professor at UC Santa Barbara. And she now says of this ordeal uh, in her apology letter, 
she now changes the story of why she is, uh, how, how her perspective on what took place happened. She, she says she was, because she was pregnant at the time of this incident, and she said, I wish to apologize for my actions. The survivors of the abortion Holocaust group had a perfect right to come to UC Santa Barbara to express their views about women's reproductive rights. As much as the images they displayed were offensive and distressing to my students and to me, I had no right to take their poster or destroy it. But she goes on to say that, to express, the reason she did that was because she was highly agitated because she was pregnant. And that being pregnant, seeing those images of aborted children caused her to fly into a rage and tear the posters down and run off with them. (laughs) I've heard of pregnant women demanding all kinds of different food, having um, emotional, being emotional, crying. And, you know, I went through that with two pregnancies and all this stuff. Never did I feel like going out of control and attacking somebody and blaming it on being pregnant. I've never heard the pregnancy defense before. I guess there's the first time for everything. Uh, Her lawyer goes on to add to this silliness by, by, um, by saying it would be tragic if Dr. Miller Young were sentenced to jail time or mandatory anger management classes based on the press's portrayal of her as an angry black woman. Oh, she's not an angry black woman? Oh, she's just pregnant? I'm sorry. <laughs> she's just pregnant. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. A fellow professor sought to give her sought clemency for her stating she was at the stage of a pregnancy when one is not fully one's self, fully. So the image of a severed fetus appeared threatening. And we've all seen the picture of her turning back and smiling at the 16-year-old girl who was running after her trying to get her poster back. Professor... The professor Boris, Eileen Boris, from the Department of Feminist Studies at UC uh, Santa Barbara, says if she appears smiling on camera, she is wearing the mask. I didn't, I didn't know there was a mask. She's wearing the mask. That is, she is hiding her actual state through a strategy of self-presentation that is a cultural legacy of, get this, slavery. So I urge you to look beyond the recent act, writes uh, another professor, to explore the opportunity for Miss Mil- Miller Young to make a change by exploring the world of nonviolence within this setting, which means not going to prison setting. Right. Um, so the ex- she's now giving and what other people are giving for her was I attacked a teenager and tore down her materials because of because of pregnant and slavery 
Um, you know, I I think I'm going to get myself into all kinds of legal trouble and see if that works for me. I am not really sure how this flies at all, but in the minds of feminist, hard left progressives, it must make some sense that you wear a mask because of slavery. You tear down and attack teenagers because of pregnancy. And you put those two together. Man, this woman just needs to walk free and have absolutely no repercussions. And she needs to be free to do it again to somebody else. I don't, I don't know about that. I think she needs to... Her her tenure needs to be reconsidered at the UC Santa Barbara because obviously she can't control her own behavior and acts like an adult when a 16 and a 21-year-old standing there acted much more dignified than this grown woman. What kind right. of example is she going to be for her child? I'm sorry, her fetus. She's not having a child. She's having a fetus. And what kind of example is she to, what kind of reflection is she on her university? Now UC Santa Barbara is known for uh, their porn professor and attacking teenagers and making excuses such as I was pregnant. (laughs) And I mean because of slavery. Of course, you're not going to hear about the story anywhere else other than True Life Fridays Radio because as salacious as the story is on a racial level, which gets talked about again and again and again, when the police are involved, you're not going to hear it about this. Oh, no, of course there's no racial element to this uh, because of slavery. Right. So that is the stupidest thing ever. This is, this is about the stupidest thing ever an excuse made up for attacking some people exercising their First Amendment rights. Really. And, Thomas, did you have anything you want to say about that before we go? No, (laughs) ma'am. Okay. Well, I'm glad uh, we got that out there because it really is the Stupidest thing ever. Please, don't be like this woman. And, you know, if you ever get into trouble, I would actually suggest that you might try the pregnancy defense in court and see what what it nets you. I'd really like to see how that works out for you. Yep. (laughs) Well, we had a good show today, um, talked about different things and um but folks let me end with this little commentary about everything that's going on in Ferguson, Missouri. Choices have consequences. And this young man had made a choice to rob a store. And he reacted in a way that cost him his life. The cop told him and his friend to stop walking in the middle of the street. The cop, according to reports, had no idea that he would just rob the store. Had Michael Brown did what he did, 
had he had he just obeyed the officer. Sad one, he would still be living, and two, unfortunately, he would have got away with the crime. This is not something that should have cost him his life, but he beat that officer. And you will see, as Chris Sharp said of MoveOnUp.org, as he said earlier, the next shoe that's going to drop is when they release the pictures of the wounded officer. Unless the federal government try to suppress that. And you know the Department of Justice will try to do whatever they can to push their narrative. Now, it is what it is, folks. But at the end of the day, each and every person is responsible for their own actions. And and for the lawyer of the family to say he was shot in execution style in the middle of the street, if, if, as they say, the police officer, the... His one side of his face is is swelled up from where he was being beat, and his eyes almost shut. Folks, you have to understand one thing. He's going to shoot because he probably was in shock from the trauma of being beat like that. Second of all, once you assault an officer for any reason, they have the right to use deadly force. They're not taught to shoot to injure or maim. They're taught to shoot to kill if they have to. And this was a young man who didn't deserve to lose... Well, didn't deserve to lose his life, but he put himself in the position because he thought, I'm 6'4", 290, I'm invincible. Well, he found out that he wasn't. Think before you react. Breathe before you speak. And above all, learn to take responsibility for your own choices in life. And with that, Leticia. All right. Good word. Good word, Thomas. We're going to leave it at that. Be back with us next week for more True Life Fridays radio. Uh, Please visit us on our Facebook page at True Life Fridays radio. Oh, and follow us on Twitter. Oh, Letitia, one more thing before I go. 
tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central Time, I think 2 p.m. Eastern, I'm being interviewed by Parker J. Cole, part two of The Conservative View. Last time she interviewed me, she told me it was it was a rocking, rocking good show, and it ought to it really ought to be interesting in light of everything that happened in Ferguson, Missouri. And I'm sure I'll get asked some questions about that. So I'm gonna post my link, the link to the show for tomorrow, in the Facebook, on my Facebook page. So if y'all wanna listen to my interview tomorrow, then I'll make sure it's there. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Uh, again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at TLFR, sorry, TLF Radio. And hopefully we'll see you next, next week, everybody. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Uh-huh.